Welcome to the Payments Experts Podcast, a podcast of global legal law firm. ISOs, fintech, payfax, agents, merchants, processors, acquiring banks, and card brands. If these terms mean something to you, this podcast is for you. If these terms aren't so familiar, this podcast is even more for you. We hope you enjoy this episode of PEP, the Payments Experts Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Payments Experts Podcast, a podcast of Global Legal Law Firm. Today, we're talking about reserve funds. We've got Senior Associate Attorney Bryce Vandemore with us, as well as James Huber, Global Legal Managing Partner. Gentlemen, welcome. All right, Bryce, let's talk about reserves. What do you deal with most with reserve funds? Because we have... We have an interesting practice where we represent a lot of times both sides. Yeah. We represent the ISO or the processor mm-hmm. holding the funds. And then a lot of times we represent the merchant who's going, give me my money back. But why don't we start with what a reserve fund is? Okay. Well, first off, I want to, I want to stay the disclaimer. You're, you're all watching a different podcast. I realize I'm wearing the same shirt as I wore in our podcast <laughs> on the match list. So this is a different podcast um, anyway, but you know, primarily the biggest issue that we run into in these cases is that when the client comes to us, you know, they're like, hey, they're holding all this money. And I'm like, okay, can we get a copy of your MPA, your merchant processing agreement? And they're just 80% of the time, they're like, what's that? And I'm like, and I, it's clear that, you know, the, the MPA is the most important document that you're going to have. It dictates the, the terms of the relationship with the processor and the bank. It has all your rights, all your obligations, and more importantly, all their all their duties and obligations. So evidently, it's not being communicated to these merchants that they really need to pay attention to this document. And secondly, uh, there are literally thousands of processors and merchants out there, or banks, processors of banks that are available out there. You don't have, you know, and they're all going to see you differently. So if you get terms that you just don't like, you, you can shop. You don't have to accept what you're, what you're given. And most merchants, I mean, you, you generally, I mean, most contracts these days, you don't even get the terms and conditions. It's no, in a link, a hyperlink contract. Yeah. And a, oftentimes they don't even hyperlink it. I mean, we have a case right now where we're pretty sure they changed the hyperlink. Yeah. They changed what was on the other end of it. So yes, it is important to get this document and read it because a lot of the documents say, Hey, we're going to take a big reserve and it's ours. You're not getting it back. Yeah. And they're like, why? why? How could you do that? Well, they're like, well, look at the MPA. Well, I don't have a copy of the MPA. So right. they, they can basically just do whatever they want. But why don't we what, take even a step further back? What is a reserve fund? Okay. A reserve fund is something that, well, A, the processor or the bank will designate you as a high-risk merchant. And that is something that you need to clarify with them from the get-go, you know, vis-a-vis how, how they view you. If they view you as a high risk, then they're going to want to set up a reserve account. You have your merchant account where all the money that you make from the processing that you or the transactions that you submit for processing goes into the merchant account. But they will then decide to scrape off a certain percentage of all the processing that you do, and they will put that money into a separate account called a reserve account. And usually it'll be dictated in the MPA. It'll be a, a certain percentage. It'll be capped at a certain amount, and you know they'll they'll just hold it and. But they, you know, they, they very rarely actually stick to the percentage that they take or the cap because sometimes, I mean, we have clients that come into us with reserve funds of four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. I mean, and their average ticket price is a hundred bucks. Now, your average ticket price is the the average sale that you're submitting to the processor 
so why you would need to hold four hundred and fifty thousand dollars when your average t- when your average chargeback is going to be a hundred bucks? I mean, it's just not it's just not it's not logical. It's not rational. Well, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it on the other end. I think that, you know, you're dealing a lot with more of the merchants. I'm dealing more with the processors going, well, wait a minute, you're selling online skin cream and you're cranking out a half million dollars in orders every month. What if you're, you know, whoever's filling up the skin cream doesn't do it. And I have half a million dollars in chargeback. I mean, the reserve has a purpose. It's to insulate the processor and the bank from risk. I mean, we all know banks don't take losses. They just don't. Um, You know, apparently now they... The government will bail them out. Right, and the government will come (laughs) bail them out, but not on these chargebacks. So they're saying, no, I'm going to keep this amount of money as a reserve to cover. What if you're not fulfilling your orders? I mean, it, it is. It's typically for high risk merchants, but any online merchant generally is a little bit high risk because I'm not getting, you know, this pair of sunglasses in my hand. So I can do a chargeback and the chargeback rules are skewed way in favor of the cardholder. You can charge back anything, anytime. I mean, you can walk into a store and do a chargebacks. One of our favorite cases is we were, we were representing American Express actually, and somebody went on a European vacation and rang up $88,000. There were videotapes of him going into these hotels all over Eastern Europe. And he still was going, no, that's not me. And it went all the way to an arbitration because they're going, well, no, the rules say I get to charge this back. It wasn't me. And it was so skewed in that person's favor. So when you're a processor and you've got a merchant cranking things out and there's issues with supply chain fulfillment, or maybe your skin cream is just jelly, there's a risk of loss that they're not going to take. And so I'll see them be big flat fee amounts like, hey, you want to come on board? All right, you got to put a hundred grand in an account or I'll see it, you know, 10% rolling volume. Then every three months we'll release that. You know, we're not just collecting more and more money. They have to release it. And the card brand rules, which are the only rules that govern a reserve account, are pretty vague. They basically say it has to be reasonably related to your risk and there has to be some kind of formula. That leads a lot of deference. But we're on the when we're on the merchant side, we're going, this is unreasonable. I mean, that's what you're running into a lot of time. No, you can't just hold this forever. And then we'll see what some processors do. They'll start taxing this thing going, you know, oh, we have an ACH reject. And it's like, well, stop trying to ACH my account. There's no money in there. They're like, well, we got to keep trying because they're making money off of it. And they'll just drain this account over time. So whenever you have an issue with the reserve, There are certain processors and ISOs out there. You better get on them quick because they'll drain the thing. Yeah, but my counter to that is that, A, the reserve fund doesn't come into play until you're terminated. Right. So you're not processing anymore. You're not selling anymore. And so since the standard reserve reserve withholding period is about 120 days, you're going to know – I mean – you're going to know pretty much right after the, the, the merchant is terminated whether or not there's going to be a run on the pro, on chargebacks on the product. So the visa rules say that the amount of the reserve has to be reasonable as, as you know, compared to the amount of risk 
involved. And and so it just when you when you look at when you go back and say that the ticket price is like a hundred bucks or hundred and fifty bucks, there's just you're gonna know whether the whether the customer is satisfied with the product or is gonna be char or it's you know it's garbage and they're gonna be they're gonna be charging back. So it it just doesn't make sense to me how how a reserve how risk could could justify holding five four hundred and eighty thousand dollars for five hundred and forty days. Right. I've, I've seen I've seen reserve periods as you know as as high as that one. And 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 our client in this case was you know really indignant about you know, how could they do this. And then I looked at the agreement and it's right they, there. They, they signed it. They I mean, signed it. So they said it, they could hold this. Yeah. So it was it was clear that the the merchant or the merchant representative had not read the agreement and it's it's then that we have to get involved and that that's usually the biggest hurdle that we've over have to overcome is that they've agreed to this they've agreed to it but it does not fly in the public opinion you know when we're advising our clients that are holding these reserves and you know there's one law firm in particular that's made their mark. They love going after these reserve funds. They attack your bank relationship. They attack your sales agent. They attack everything just to create hell. And it's somewhat, you know, it can be effective sometimes, but when you get to most of these agreements have an arbitration agreement, when you get to an arbitration agreement, I mean, one, by the time you get there, the time has elapsed. And they've been going, oh, look, you know, we've been incurring all these costs and fees and we can withhold this thing. But I generally advise even our ISO processor clients of, you know, you've got you can't just hold on to this forever. But there are situations, you know, let's say, you know, it's a bust out account where they make it look cool. You know, everything's going along and then it's fraud. They're doing that to get the processing and then they're charging it all back because they're using you know, I mean, it's hard to use still that many stolen cards now, but they're running fake transactions. Mm-hmm. So there are scenarios. And then there are other scenarios where, look, the FTC loves going after these online nutraceutical merchants or, you know, um, selling timeshares where it's going, no, I'm going to get an FTC subpoena and they're going to come knocking and they're going to say, Why'd you give the money back to them? I mean, the FTC doesn't really say that, but there are certain investigative agencies that will go, oh, good. You held on the money. Good boy. You know, go on your way. And if not, they're going to, you know, you don't want them digging around in your books. You know, you're a you're not a bank and you're not, you know, the ISOs and processors aren't holding the money. But by, you know, most of the time they're the ones in control, you know, Eventually, people keep looking at this and it could blow the lid on the whole operation and make it actually harder for online merchants to get processing. So it's the interesting thing about the merchant processing industry is because it it works well with very little regulation because people people need this. If you start putting all these rules in place. Yeah, people, online businesses, a lot of them go away, you know, a lot of, you know, selling vitamins or whatever that people really like to buy. You won't be able to do it online. You're going to go to the vitamin store. Have you ever been in a vitamin store? <laughs> yeah. You have been in the vitamin store. Yes, I have. And I've, I've actually You're purchased stuff in the vitamin creatine, store. creatine, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I guess the, the point is that I'm trying to make is, is that the terms of the agreements are negotiable. And they and the merchant needs to be aware of what they're signing, yeah. Before they do it, they need to know how you know under what circumstances this money is going to be withheld. 
how much is going to be withheld and how long they can hold it afterward. I mean, like I said, the standard in the industry is about 180 days. Uh, again, we've seen as high as 540. And actually, we have one case right now where they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to hold your money indefinitely. I don't even know what that means. Indefinitely. No, I see that all the time. And it it will cripple your business. You're going, okay, great. I've got processing. Who cares? You know, I've got another processor over here. Well, guess what? Things happen. And we'll see processors holding the funds and they're going, I need that money to fulfill refunds. Yeah, we had a big problem. I need to refund these customers. And then here come the chargebacks. And then there's also things you're going, you know, who cares? I'm going gangbusters. I don't care about the reserve 10%, whatever. That's just cost of doing business. Oh, and I'll get it back at some point. A lot of times when, you know, things start going down, that's when you actually need this money and you need it quick. I mean, the... The standard is, I think you said 120 or 180 days. 180 days. Yeah, 180 days is standard. Negotiate it lower. Do it, you know, every single ISO processor out there has a reserve addendum that they will negotiate with you. Absolutely. If you put them to it, it might not work. Cap it at a fee. You know, say, okay, it can go up if my sales go up, but you need to be planning for this. You know, the... Because of the business, you don't see the money instantly. It's not coming in. So it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind. You know, the you're, if you're a high-risk mer- merchant, they're already charging exorbitant fees. So you're like, oh, that's just going to the fees. But guess what? When it comes down to it, you're like, oh, yeah, I need that. You know, it doesn't have to be $400,000. I need that $20,000 in reserve to hit these refunds or to put a down payment on my new product that I fulfilled because I have all these orders and it gets stuck there. And it, it gets eaten up. That's exactly right, James. We take these calls all the time. What can global legal law firm do? What is our process? How do we help get these funds returned to our clients, maybe on the merchant side? Yeah, if we're on the merchant side, I mean, we we go at the processor and we say, hey, this is unreasonable. First, we have to do a conflicts check, of course. But then we say, you know, no, this is unreasonable. This is too long. Speed it up release as much as you can right now. And a lot of times, you know, they don't have the risk because we'll go, no, look, the merchant's bank account is still open. If you guys hit chargebacks, you just keep taking them. Or or give the merchant the ability to refund instead of taking the charge. Instead of taking the chargeback, but they don't make as much money on the refunds. They make as much money, more money on the chargebacks. So you put that in their face, get it in writing and, you know, set it up. I mean, the nice thing is that we know all the players, we know all the people, and we've just dis- disputed these, you know, litigated these so many times that when a merchant comes our way, we're going, you know, we got this. We know exactly what to do. We'll get you your money faster and more of it. And, you know, maybe if it is stuck because you are selling you know, CBD gummies and you told them you weren't uh, we'll make sure that they're not going to start taking popping that money. You know, we'll get, you know, just don't don't do these charges because you don't need to. Let's let the money sit. Um, I mean that that's really our tactic. I mean, well, what what you know the the, the example you gave where, where there's fraud involved, where the, the chargebacks are just out of control right out of the gate. I mean that that's a separate issue. But the ones the ones that I I deal with predominantly are where you know, the, the, the merchant was terminated like, you know, two months ago. 
And the reserve account just hasn't even moved. There has not been a chargeback. Right, like or two chargebacks. Or, 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 or two chargebacks. And, right. and, and that's where my issue with them comes in is why do you need to hold all this money? And what's even worse is when you get to the end of the withholding period, they're not just going to automatically say, hey, by the way, you know, we, we're going to give you this money back. you got to go ask for it. You've got to go ask for and, it. And, and you, you don't even know who to ask. And you think that your money is sitting there. But it's not, it's your money is not in it, you know, a reserve well, fund for the benefit of Bryce. It, I mean, it is, but it's just commingled funds in a big account. So well, yeah, I, who I, knows? I, Go get it. I look at it as like a bank. You know, the, the if if there's a, that's why they have my money's money. not in the bank. Exactly. Oh. No, no, it's it's I'm yeah. I'm more, I, I I allowed this guy to get a mortgage. I use that money to do mortgages. I use that money to do you know to to loan somebody you know a, a private loan. But no no bank has. Every depositor's money at bank, hand bank all the time. Bryce's mattress. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else, do we have anything else on the topic? I mean, this is the main the takeaway. You nailed it. Is negotiate your contract on the front end. If you're getting terminated, or you're leaving your processor, or you feel stuck with your processor because of the reserve, get on it quick. You know, call us or. One, you know, the only other payment attorney that handles it. Um, I mean, you know, you know, study your MPA, become familiar with it, stay in regular contact with your processor. And it, you can it, negotiate a midstream. I mean, we'll do that all the time. Oh, hey, yeah. you like our account? It's working out? Okay, because you can, you know, I'm, I'll go get another processor and I'll put half of my volume over there and start trickling away because I got better terms. So mm-hmm. it's never too late. Um you don't have to. It's never too to early, it. I guess. Is actually, yeah, you, you, yeah. you just don't have. You don't have to accept what you're handed. You have. No. You have options. You have choices. No, and but I a don't lot think of merchants know that. Yeah, and a lot of merchants actually they'll think like, oh, it was so hard to get processing. You know, the sales agents used to be more robust. You know, they're just like everything. There's consolidation, so there's fewer, you know, brokers on the street helping these guys get processing. But you know, I mean, we we can happily refer people to. 10 options that can get them processing and help them negotiate the terms. And part of the nice thing is, well, we represent both sides. We represent the processor and the merchant. We'll make sure you guys get the most fair terms. Um, obviously we do some kind of conflict waiver, but. And we all, we end up dealing with a lot of the same players. So you, yeah. there's a familiarity there. And I think that we would actually be able to accomplish more than, than a merchant is going to be able to accomplish on their own because well, they're just not even going to know who to contact. And yeah, you've got to know who to call. There's certain processors that love Nucha. There's certain processors that love dealing with gambling. There's certain processors for each type niche business. And, you know, just relying on your sales agent, he's only got three, four relationships because it's too much to handle if he's got 10. I mean, we know, I think we know every single player in the place. So, Placing merchants, you know, just making, you know, the referral because they're a client and, you know, not taking a piece of the action, giving them the right relationship and someone to work with is huge. I mean, it's everything. Your processor is your, you know, your neck where the blood's flowing. Sounds like a great opportunity for whether they're merchants or whatever stage they're at to have Global Legal Law Firm as their outside general counsel. And they can, whenever these types of issues come up, give us a call and get that advisement that they might need. All right. Anything to close Bryce? Uh, just like I said, you, you have options. Don't, don't think that you don't. And, and 
we are more than happy to look at the proposed merchant processing application and agreement and determine, you know, what areas are just a no-go and they need to move on. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things. Read your agreement. Like, I'm not reading it. Fine, I'll read it. Don't worry about it. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it, it, it needs to be done just, yeah. just, just to keep you out of this kind of trouble. Yeah. Because no, it's it going to happen. It gets bad. All right. Excellent. Thank you so much, gentlemen. You've been here today with Senior Associate Attorney Bryce Vandemore, as well as Managing Partner of Global Legal Law Firm, James Huber. Thank you for listening. This has been the Payments Expert Podcast, a podcast of Global Legal Law Firm. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Payments Experts Podcast. New episodes, first and third Thursdays. If you're interested in learning more about PEP and how Global Legal Law Firm may be able to assist you, please visit us at globallegallawfirm.com. To schedule a free consultation, give us a call at 888-846-8901 or email us at pep at attorneygl.com. And once again, thank you for listening. One, two, three.